You're listening to a DM podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the podcast with the best banter, greatest gut feels, and most ridiculous narratives on planet Earth. Get ready to dominate the NRL fantasy season with the team from Top King League. G'day guys, welcome to Talking League. I'm your host TK and today I wanted to do a bit of a solo one. It's going to be how to build your classic team 101. Now I'll sit down with Corby and Andy during the month to also do a how to draft my fantasy team as well. Because I know a lot of you have your drafts coming up, we get heaps of draft questions so we'll cover it all in a long episode which we'll do a bit of a one-on-one as well. But we hope you're enjoying all the team previews, which are nearly at their conclusions. Once we're finished, we'll rip into a host of interviews with some of the finest NRL players and coaches. Stay tuned for plenty, including I'll be sitting down with Craig Fitzgibbon and Anthony Griffin next week as well. Close to the season, we'll be doing some in-depth stuff, so more positional stuff. We'll also catch up with physio Phil for injuries, and then we'll do some team reveal stuff post-TLT and our normal programming Post round one. All right, so just looking at what we do to actually build a classic team. So first things first, salary cap and scoring players. So the salary cap's been dropped to 9.4 million. You have 17 scoring players. And just remember, guys, the value of your bench is going to be the same as your starters, minus your captain and vice captain. You've also got four emergencies. All right, we're going to do this kind of step by step. So my step one when I'm building my team is to choose your captain. So really there's three choices. You've got Nathan Cleary, you've got Tom Travojevic, and you've got Payne Haas. They're probably your standout three guys. Majority of the comp's going to do Cleary. He's already at a current ownership of 46%. For me, Cleary is a set and forget, so it's a must. I learned the hard way last year. I didn't get him until round seven, and I fell behind... Like, I had a really gun team, but I was missing Cleary, which meant that I wasn't getting the double points that all the other big teams were getting. So, like I mentioned, he is 46%, but don't put that off. Don't make that put you off. He's got an average last year of 93, but with the new rules, they priced him in at around 84. He's just one of those guys, like, yeah, he just scores, even, he's 24 years old. His stats and his style of play is very repeatable. Now, they call him the unicorn because he just gets points from nowhere. He steps on the field, he gets points. That's just the way it is. just got to have a set and forget on this guy. He's probably the only guy coming back from serious injury. With serious injury, I mean like things like ACL, shoulder recos, etc. That he's that damn good, you've just got to get him in there. If you don't... See, we've still got to get a plan B for the thing that... It, to think that he might not be ready for round one. But realistically, just set your team around him because it's an easy thing. He's the most expensive player, which means that you can pick up any other player in the comp. Now, my pick number two for a captain, if you're going outside of Cleary, would be Payne Haas. The reason why, he's consistent, and he'll get you that 60-65 every week. The way that he plays is repeatable. If anything, I think he can get even better and better. He's just that athletic. Now, Tom Turbo. Turbo is your turbulent one. And he's turbo for a reason. He's got a break-even, huge 80 for round one. 
But you've got to consider the new tackle break rules. And he's also coming off statistically the greatest season in NRL history. He averages nearly two tries and two try assists a game. They're going to be gunning for him. You have a look at the Dally M seasons of guys like Jared Hayne and Ben Barber. They're probably the two most recent that kind of was anywhere near the stratosphere of Tommy Turbo. But even if he was to regress just a little bit, you're going to lose money on him. And also consider that Des Hasler doesn't play him during the origin period. So I think it's a timing thing. I think in the last post-round 18, you need Turbo in your team because I think he'll be at a reasonable price. But don't rush out and get him for round one, in my opinion. All right, step two, once you've chosen your captain, now you want to choose a gun per position. So why we do this is to balance your team with scoring potential. Jewels are very handy. I'll go through every single position who I chose and also some good ones for you to consider. Now, we're looking for a combination of elite scoring and undervalued players with some serious upside. Now, wing fullback, my pick is Ryan Puppenhausen. Your other good ones will be James Tedesco, Nico Hines, and Kalen Ponga. Center, my pick is Ewan Aiken. He has that jewel. So realistically, we're looking for value at similar upside and also jewels. So my other two standout picks in this regard is Jack Bird and Matt Burton. Half, you know I'm going Nathan Cleary, but I can see, especially if you're not going the Cleary route, you must have one of Daly Cherry Evans or Jerome Hughes. Edges, my pick is Tavita Pangai Jr. I love his jewel and his upside, but there is some elite guys in this area. David Fafita and Angus Crichton are two for consideration. And then on the, on the flip side of another jewel would be Josh Curran, and the guy going under the radar is Ryan Madison. Mids, I'm all over Adam Fanua Blake at the moment. I just think that he's going to be the breakout Star um, star mid, but as I mentioned before, Payne Haas is a god, and we've also got the returning Cameron McInnes, but he's coming from a very serious ACL injury, so you don't have to have him again from round one, but I can see why you would make a consideration for him. Hooker is probably the biggest area from outside of Cleary where I'm prioritizing. I've gone for Damian Cook because I see his upside and I just love his track record, but Harry Grant is going to be very, very valuable, and I think you're going to need him at least post-origin, but I can also make a case for him to actually sit him for round one. And probably on a lesser scale is the third best hooker in this whole thing is probably Appy Coruscant. But I'm just a little bit afraid with his VAC stuff happening, his leaving of the Tigers, just a little bit going on around there. So I don't mind paying up for either Damian Cook or Harry Grant. So they're just a few different ideas why I'm going for Parps, Aiken, and TPJ. I just feel that they're well below their values right now, and that's due to a few different reasons. The clubs that they played at, injuries, suspensions. I just think that, well, for example, Ewan Aiken, he averages plus 60 when he plays on an edge, but his sample size, he only played like the last month there. So his sample's small, but we know from his own mouth and his coach's mouth that he's probably going to be starting there considering that Torhu Harris is out, which means that Josh Curran's going to be pushing into the middle. Now, big guns, Cook and Cleary. And then it just with my guns, it gives me enough points to stay very, very competitive with everyone. What you'll need to also do is what I've seen lately is a lot of teams with both Nico Hines and Matt Burden. The reason why I wouldn't do that... Uh, Both are two outstanding prospects, but 
They're moving from from old clubs where they spent a lot of first grade at a lot of different positions. Well, another different position. So, for example, Nico Hines and Matt Burnham could play probably seven and six. Nico played a lot of fullback pretty much the entire season by a couple of games at fullback. And the same with Matt Burden. He was only playing 5'8 when Cleary was out. And even when Cleary was out, he was still stuck in the centres. So he hasn't spent a lot of time in the halves over the last couple of years. So both have very similar characteristics. They've got pretty much an unlimited attacking upside. We've seen in their other positions how good they are. But you've got to think about the cons as well. Both are in a new club and system. Both are yet to name their new... Well, the coach is yet to name their new scrum partner. How dominant they will be in terms of their touches, their general play kicking, and will they goal kick? So given all these issues that I've just pointed out, it is probably a very low percentage play to have both in your team. So I'm not saying don't pick either. I'm just saying that if you've got both in your team, you're probably running a huge risk because what happens if they both falter? Because it is a bit of an adjustment period to move positions and then also change clubs. So just put that in the back of your mind before you... You load up on both at the same time. All right. Step three, and this is the fun part. It's going to be fill out the rest of your team on a combination of mid-rangers and also cheapies. So when we're filling our team from here, it's going to be made of a combination of mid-rangers and cheapies. The goal is to try and fi- try and find 17 players you can project to start round one and also make a serious contribution in terms of scoring and money-making potential. Now, I'll go through a couple of a few out of each positions in terms of cheapies that are currently in my mind. These are going to change a lot because the trials the trials are going to show a lot of the potential of these guys and just currently where they're at. So my standouts in the edge, Nanai from the Cowboys, Tago from Penrith, Patolo from the Doggies, Hookers, Randall from the Knights, Clark from the Titans, and Kobe Harrington from the Broncos. Wing fullbacks, Jordan Piera and Xavier Coates. Piera plays for Broncos, Coates for the Storm, sorry. Penasini from the Eels is my standout centre. Now, my dual wing fullback centres standouts is Stephen Crichton from Penrith. We've got Rocco Berry from the Warriors and Nick Kotrick now back at the Raiders. The halves, Lachlan Ilias from the South Sydney Rabbitohs and Junior Ramon from the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Now, your consideration really needs to... You need to really look for some potential pods. So we're talking about players that are under 5% ownership. So right now, if you have a look at my team, I've got a few. I've got Rocco Berry at 3.5% ownership, Jordan Piera at 1.2% ownership, Adam Faluma blake at 3.1% ownership, Kurt Mann at 2% ownership, and Tom Gilbert at 1.4% ownership. So really, we're just trying to get a point of difference. I think for round one, you're going to need between three and five players. I think that's good to just give you a little bit of standout factor. Now, once we've got our potential cash cows and a list of those, we also want to have a look at a few mid-rangers because we've got a little bit left in the salary cap. So moving into the trials, my top-rated mid-rangers are Kurt Mann and Tom Gilbert. But I'm also looking in the trials. I'm very high on Sam Walker, David Nofaluma, and CNK from the Raiders. Now, the big one, and I'm seeing this a lot, guys, is emergencies. So emergencies, you've got four guys there. And these, you don't have to have anyone of high regard right now. What you want to be doing is only using between 220 to 240K in this area. There's probably an exception to make 300K if you've really got a guy that you really think is going to make a standout season and he's going to make some money from round one. But realistically, I'm not seeing too many of those at the moment. 
So these are going to be used as a filler until we see the trials in round one teams. Some good ones right now are going to be the guys that probably are going to be you know, looking at bench roles for round one. So a number of guys, probably the standout guys, Billy Walters, Tupelo Morora, Max King, Royce Hunt, or a very highly rated youngster like Jack Howard. Do not panic about your emergencies right now. They're going to show themselves in trials and the round one team lists. All right, so just looking at your the balance of your team now, I feel that you need a minimum of two hookers and one needs to be a gun. You're going to need three or four halves. I go for four, but I'm including man in there at the moment. With all the jewels going around, really value your jewels, and plenty of them are happening around the edge. So I've got four or five edge players that can play multiple positions. I've got TPJ and Tom Gilbert, a dual mid-edge, and I've also got Aiken and Tago, who are dual center edge. I'm carrying Aiken and Tago, which allows me to have one specialist center and Will Panasini, and then also a dual wing fullback center in Stephen Crichton, who I can move back if I run into any injury issues as well in the wing fullbacks. My four halves, Cleary, Ilias, Amon, and Kurt Mann. And like I said, with the news that, you know, Kurt Mann is training at 13, we're hoping for that mid-tag. The worst thing that's going to happen to us is if he's run from the bench from from round one. Now, I have three genuine wing fullbacks in Ryan Puppenhausen, John Pereira, and Coates. Well, like I said before, Stephen Crichton can cover there. Well, I'm also hopeful we can pick up another to cover in the emergencies while, while the team lists are named. So really the value is the jewels. So load up on them, especially your high premium ones like your Aiken, your birds, etc. Now the jewels for the newbies, they're updated post round one. So as soon as round one teams are named, anything that changes will be changed. But if they've already got a jewel now, they can't change. Post round six, post round 12, and post round 18. All right, step four, know the value of your trades. Now this will make or break your season. Just ask Shooter, who comes on the podcast from time to time. He loads up on trades. He's in the top 1,000 for the first half of the season, then he runs out of trades. A little bit different with the trades this year. So we've had an adjustment up to 36, which is plus two. They also only let you trade 32 trades through to round 19. So you've got another four available from round 20. Your weekly trade maximum is now four from round 13. Now... From my experience from last year, I started trading hard on players way too early in the first 10 rounds. So uh, what I did do well, though, was I traded for players and I started my buy planning very, very early. So I was was able to trade enough players to make a team of 15 players for that round 13 split buy. So that took me, in round 12, I was around just inside the top 1,500. But by the end of round 13, I was in the top 400 and I never left there again. So in terms of your trades, trust the research that you've done on players and don't trade out for minor injuries. Trust your squad. Now, the origin period and the back end of season will be dominated by those with trades and making smart trades. So really, your ranking means nothing early. And what I mean by that is after round one last year, I was around 3,500. After round three, I was around 10,000. By round 13, like I said, I was in the top 500. By round 21, I was 52nd, 52nd, sorry. And then I had a bit of a disaster round in that round where Corey Herrera Naira knocked out one of my other players, Jerome Hughes. He got sent off. Jerome Hughes got sat for two weeks with concussions. Ryan Madison got sent off. 
Angus Crichton did, did a crusher and got suspended for three weeks, and I was left with only one eligible edge. So I had to play with 16 players for the last three rounds. Well, not the last round, sorry. For the last three of the last four rounds. Now, I finished a respectful 200 and second, 272nd, but it was a huge lesson because once you're in the top 100, you're loving life. But you can throw, get thrown out of there so quickly because there's so many good coaches out there and the good ones save their trade. Now, origin and buy rounds. Now, I went hard at round 13 by last year, and I made a big emphasis for starting pretty much the season with between 8 to 10 players from teams playing that round. And that was a big factor when I was deciding to trade between players as well, especially when they had similar price and performance. So the rules this year with the extra trades does give you a massive chance to go hard at round 17, but you're also going to probably get stuck with these players for a few rounds as well. Step five, now create a fantasy investment thesis. Now this probably is a little bit from my background in finance. For us in stockbroking, when we buy stock, sell stock, we need a thesis. Why? Why? It's a validation for buying and selling the stocks or in this regard, the players that we do. This is why I created the three-date rule. The three-date rule is a very simple thing. Now, it's three games to evaluate a player. Now, I think this period of time is a really good sample size to judge on form, momentum, and it's a formula I used for timing, especially with guys the higher end with Jerome Hughes, Cheese, and Nico Hines in particular last year. Now, you can easily miss a cash rise because... You're, you're waiting three weeks to make the trade. But I think, for me, it validates my buy and sell signals, and I'm properly evaluating where the momentum is heading. This probably works better in regards to a gun player because with a gun player, I'm feeling because of their value, you just need that extra validation. With a rookie, you can probably take a little bit more of a chance because their price, the upside of their price is unlimited, while the downside, given they're a rookie and probably not getting minutes so far and their break-even is already, you know, it's not huge. So realistically, your downside's not that much. So really, each time you buy a player, you should have a sample to look at. In a season, during the season, a good sample is a three to five average. But within that average, see what stands out and they're continuing repeating. So this could be tries. Tackle breaks, try assists, meter gains, or kick meters. But what stats are you seeing consistency in and what are they continuously in producing? Next, number two, look at their draw ahead and rate the strength of their schedule. Three, what is the current position that they have in their team? Like, are they a fill-in or have they broken in and now they're an 80-minute player, for example, in their first string? What teammates might be in and out, especially during origin period and when they might return. And whether, I think, like I mentioned before, are they a dual player, which adds a huge amount of value in my eyes. All right, step six, which is research the preseason. Now, we've got trials coming up, guys. We've got three weeks of trials. We also get the All-Stars next week. Every trial is going to be broadcast live on Fox Sports, so there's no excuse to miss them. The All-Stars is a great attacking event and very open scoring. But what I like about the new with the Indigenous on both sides of Australia and New Zealand, so the Marius and the Aboriginal boys, they're both representing very proud cultures. So this is a legitimate game they both teams want to win. So they'll go hard. 
So, for example, have a look at players that you're looking at. So if you're a Sharks fan, for example, this is an easy one for me. I'm really looking forward to seeing Will Kennedy, Nico Hines, and Braden Trindle play in the spine together. I'm sure that Laurie Daly, hopefully, will play him for a period of time given they play at club level together. Now, when the trials come along, you're going to see a mix of teams. Most teams will run out their inexperienced players and rookies to start off with, but this is going to be a good guide for potential emergencies. Now, traditionally, the NRL teams will use their final trial as a dress rehearsal. So they'll name as close as they can to their starting 13s for round one and give them close to pretty much a half of football. Depending on the health and depth of some teams, you might not see guys like Cleary because he's still trying to get back for round one. Turbo and DCE are probably very 50-50 given the depth in their team and then also the injury history of Turbo as well. What I'm expecting and probably the the teams that you're going to be watching the closest is the teams from the bottom eight from last year because a lot of them had a huge turnover of players and they really need to go full strength to build combinations. So I've got four things that I'm looking for in the trials. Number one, the starting lineup for their final trial and who is missing. Two, where players play, particularly left and right edge of the field. So for example, last year, Ryan Madison switched from the right to the left edge. That kind of zapped his attacking performance. This is the different little things I'm looking for. Three, I'm looking for attacking shapes and dominant phases of play. So what I'm thinking is how much ball in hand a halfback and 5'8 has, their kicking, and who is also goal kicking when the full strength team is on there. Now, four is how much time the rookies get and how they look at that level. Now, your final rule, and I think this is the best rule, don't be afraid to create your own rules. Now, I understand the theories of keeper and all that sort of stuff and players you don't trade out, but the biggest thing is don't fall in love with players and... Do it your own way. Like pull a little bit from everyone that you kind of rate in terms of whether it's from the podcast world or your friends, all sorts of things. Create your own rules. So the key things I did last year is bite the bullet and buy Cleary. Like sometimes you're just going to make mistakes, but the biggest thing is to bite the bullet, admit you made the mistake, and correct it. Two, Pick up serious, like trade serious injuries out straight away, especially things that you can't predict. Like it doesn't matter how good a physio or analysis or anyone is. Guys, when when you've got HIAs, Ryan Puppenhausen is a perfect example. You literally can't predict brain injuries. So that's, that's probably a great sign just to get the hell out of there. Suspensions. Sometimes a player can get suspended and lose their position in the team. A perfect example was someone like Paul Momorowski last year. So he was thriving at the Panthers. But when he got suspended, that's all. Matt Burden stepped into centres, and then he just absolutely killed it. They switched Stephen Crichton to the right centre, and then where you got, you've got two elite centres. So Momor had to wait his chance until they had a few injuries, and then they switched Crichton to the wing. Another one is even with keepers. I sold David Feeder when he ran into into both suspension and injury issues. For me, unless your name is Nathan Cleary, I don't think you need to really have a theory of keepers. Five, try to back some non-origin players. We're talking about some of the Kiwis' finest. Last year, I backed the likes of Jerome Hughes and Cheese, but there's a host of really good Kiwi players that don't have to get rested or have to worry about playing origin. Think of the likes. This Canberra's got some really good guys, Joseph Tarpany, and Charles Nicol Klockstad, ring to mind. 
but across the whole league, Dylan Brown is very, very consistent. But it's all about timing. When to that get these guys? And like I said, you won't have to worry about restings and you won't have to worry about them having to back up either. But I hope that really helped you in terms of building your squad for round one. Any questions, please reach out at any time. But just remember, guys, at the end of the day, it's just fun. It's just NRL fantasy. All right, guys, that's me for today. Like I said, reach out at any time, and I hope you're enjoying all the off-season previews. Catch up.